cause my quiver's full of hope. I've got the urge to walk the prairie and chase the antelope. Aspen's gold on snow-capped peaks, the elk call me away. I can't keep my mind on working on this fine September day. I've got Nimrod neurosis, longbows on the brain. I'm an outdoor junkie through and through, hunts my middle name. My eyes are on the target, broadheads all fly true. Can't wait till I can get outside so I can fling a few. Welcome to the Track Quest Podcast. Dave Hewitt. What's going on, Dave? Hey. Not much. Glad to be here with you guys. Yeah, so uh, Dave's our good friend over at Compton. And uh, tell yep. us a, a little bit about uh, you and uh, Compton and how you got started and uh, what your uh, title is uh, in the organization. Well, um, as far as Compton goes, I've been involved for, I guess, probably the last seven years, but um I'm from southeast Indiana, and I'm kind of geographically about halfway between Cincinnati, Ohio, and Louisville, Kentucky, right along the Ohio River. I've uh, been involved with traditional bow hunting now for, gosh, um, 27 years. Um, I started when I was 21, and, uh, you know, obviously where I'm at, I'm a whitetail guy, but a turkey hunt, and, uh, you know, small game, and then been lucky enough to go on a few you know, destination type hunts, caribou and an elk hunt and black bear and hogs and javelinas. But, uh, this is just kind of what I do. And so that's what led me to the Compton traditional bow hunters. And, uh, right now I serve as the organization's vice president. Very cool. So This is all sounding kind of, kind of familiar. We just did, uh, uh, an interview with, uh, Dave couch and it sounds like you guys are in the same country. Yeah, actually, Dave and I are probably all about an hour apart or so. He's in southwestern Ohio and and close to the Cincinnati area. And uh, yeah, Dave's our our archives chairperson, and he serves on the board of directors too. But yeah, Dave's the real deal, man. I mean, he's he's been all over the place. If there's something to hunt, he's done it. Uh, but yeah, he's he's about as legit as they come. Yeah, we, we really enjoyed our conversation with them. I think uh, our uh, listeners are going to love it. Um, so why don't you just tell us uh, a little bit about, um, you know, how you got involved in Compton's, how you in- ended up becoming the vice president, and what Compton's has to offer the traditional sure. bow hunter. Yeah, I got involved through, um, actually through the rendezvous. A lot of people that might not be familiar with the, the organization have probably heard um, about the Compton Rendezvous. And that's our big shoot that we hold each year. It's in Berrien Springs, Michigan. And it's always like over Father's Day weekend, so it's coming up real soon, next week actually. Um, but that's how I got involved. My son and I, uh, that's been years ago, we went to the Rendezvous. We kind of would travel around and go to the 3D shoots, and he's a traditional shooter as well. And that was one of them we wanted to you know, mark off our bucket list. And when we got up there, uh, we saw just, you know, it was a really family-friendly event. There was a lot of other kids there, uh, real kid-centric. You know, they have a whole Saturday morning devoted to the kids' program and their youth program. So we went up for a couple years in a row. It's about a five-hour drive for us. And, um, you know, just seeing how the organization worked, I got to meet some of the board members, a lot of the other members. I, I decided that it was an organization I wanted to belong to. 
And that was basically how I had gotten involved. And then it took off from there. Um, I volunteered at the rendezvous, um, different events that Compton would have like membership booths and things like that. I would volunteer and, and kind of the way I looked at it was I've gotten a lot of enjoyment over the years out of traditional bow hunting and, you know, and have always like kind of like taken, taken, taken. And I thought, well, it's time to give back. So, you know, I, the way I could do that was through volunteering through an organization like Compton. And so the more I volunteered and I was approached about, Hey, would you consider running for a seat on the board of directors? And I thought about it and went ahead and did that for a couple of years and, and was on the board. And then uh, a couple of years later, the uh, vice president's seat was going to be vacant. And I was asked if I would throw my name in the hat for that. And I did the same thing there. And it's been a couple of years now that I've served in that capacity. And then the real work began. <laughs> so, <laughs> but uh, I enjoy every minute of it. I really like it. Very cool. Um, you alluded to Saturday at the rendezvous is devoted to the youth and the children. Um, could you touch yeah. a little bit about what that's all about? Yeah, every um, Saturday morning, our youth director, uh, Will McQueen, he organizes and does a fantastic job for the at the youth event there. Um, but we have a couple hours that's set aside, and we'll run anywhere from 80 to 100, maybe even 100 kids through a youth program. And just in a nutshell, you know, they'll have them out there on the range, you know, they'll be busting balloons with their bows, um, shooting 3D targets, and they just go through the basics, you know, teach them how to be safe with the bows, how to shoot, how to get an arrow down range, and all that kind of stuff. And they'll do that with kids from probably four and five years old on up to like 10 and 11 year olds. Um, but what they'll do too with the kids that are a little bit older, say junior high age kids, is they'll throw like some woodsmanship stuff in there. Um, they'll teach them, you know, how to identify poison ivy or poison oak, maybe set up a mock blood trail for them and, and just some more hunting related skills. But it's just really cool because you'll see a hundred kids all out there with a stick bow in their hand, a little back quiver, you know, and they're just having a blast. And, you know, some of these kids have never touched a bow before in their life, don't have a background in the outdoors, maybe come from single parent households, um, or don't have the means um, to get a bow in their hands. So this is the only, you know, maybe um, experience or opportunity that they get to do that kind of stuff. So it's, it's really neat because like I said, they'll all have their matching T-shirts on. You can tell, you know, they're all part of that group, and, and it's just a great time. But, you know, I need to kind of give a shout-out to the uh, the Michigan Longbow Association. They help us out on that youth morning, and we couldn't do it without their help. I mean, they just have a ton of volunteers. And then also the Berrien County Sportsman's Club, that's the local club there where we hold the shoot. They have a ton of volunteers that help out as well, and, and, and we couldn't have the youth event there or the shoot without the help of those guys. Yeah. And I believe uh, so, Brian, uh, Brian Burkhart helps out with that, doesn't he? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Brian's there every year and, and he's just a, a huge supporter of, uh, you know, traditional bow hunting in that community and, and has been a long time life member of Compton. And, and, you know, it's just, it's really cool to see the same people there every year 
you know, that that's kind of their thing, you know, Saturday morning, we're helping with the youth program. And, you know, there's kids that have started there in that youth program shooting bows that are now young adults themselves and they're Compton members, you know, as a result, but they've been going for the last, you know, 12 or 15 years to the rendezvous and that's where they got their start in it. So it's pretty cool. Being involved with an organization like this. I mean, it's not only a place to go and have a good time, but you're going to make lifelong friends and it's going to open up the door to, um, better yourself as a, as a bow hunter, you know, if it's, woodsmanship oh, yeah, skills absolutely. that you're looking for or um you know or just uh uh broadening her your horizon as a bow hunter yeah for sure um and it's uh that's how it's been for me it's i've made lifelong friends through the rendezvous and becoming involved with the organization and the more involved i got you know I, i've gotten to meet people that i would have never in a million years thought that I would meet and, you know, people that I have admired that were involved, you know, in, in our niche of bow hunting, you know, traditional bow hunting is growing. It's fantastic, but, you know, we're still kind of a drop in the bucket in the overall scheme of things, but there's people that I had always really admired that were for lack of a better term, kind of like a celebrity and in, in our circles, I didn't think I'd get to meet these people. And through my involvement with Compton traditional bow hunters, I've met them. And what I found out, is these people have a ton of stuff to offer, but they're just like me or you, James, or Bob. You know, they all put their pants on the same way. Humble, just great people. Um, but but I just can't speak highly enough about um, the organizations or the organization and the relationship that has helped me build with people that are her lifelong friends. Very cool. So besides the rendezvous that happens every year in Michigan, um, there's another gathering that you guys, is it, is it yearly or can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, the big game classic, we do that every other year and that's our, it's an indoor event and we move that all over the country. So far we've had it in Kansas city, Missouri, Louisville, Kentucky, Denver, Colorado. And the most recent one, which was this past spring was in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And what we do with the Big Game Classic is the emphasis on that is through our archive system. And Dave Couch probably explained a lot about our archive scoring system. And the the whole thing with that isn't so much to pat ourselves on the back as bow hunters that have taken animals that score a, a minimum score. It's to show how effective, you know, a recurve or a longbow or a self-bow can be. And so it's kind of a celebration of that. Um, and of course we want to honor the guys that, you know, or gals that were lucky enough to take, you know, a really nice animal, you know, with, with a trad bow of some sort, but it's all about showing the effectiveness, um, of that kind of gear. So we move that around the country. Um, and it's a way for us to reach out to the membership because as a national organization, you know, it's hard to get everywhere, you know, so we want our membership to feel like they're part of something. So we can move this event around the country. The rendezvous just logistically is such a big event. There's, it would be great if we could move it like to Oregon where you guys are or over on the East coast or in the Southeast and bounce it around. But the logistics of it, it, it's just impossible. So we have that one fixed location in Michigan where we've hosted this and, um, you know, that works well, but there's just no way we can move that around. So the big game classic, um, we move that around. 
we also sponsor satellite shoots, um, like the pre-spring arrow fling, which has been in Alabama the last several years. It's moving to Tennessee in 2019. So we sponsor that, and we also run the youth shoot there or the youth program there. So the okay. Tennessee venue will be new. Um, so that's just some of the other stuff that we do. And, and then, like I said, we we help other smaller shoots, too, um, with sponsorships and things like that. So Big Game Classic's going to be in Portland, Oregon next year? Is that what I just – wait, did I just start a rumor? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. No, it would, it would be great. Um, we should have an announcement on that. Um, shortly after the rendezvous, we'll have a board meeting, um, at the rendezvous. And that's definitely one of the topics of conversation is where the 2020, uh, big game classic will be held. So if you, uh, what does it cost to become a member? It's $35 for an annual membership. And, you know, that gets you four magazines, you know, the window sticker, the membership card and that kind of stuff. But what it also does is it, it helps promote and preserve traditional bow hunting. That's, you know, the whole way that Compton was founded, um, and, and there's a whole story to how it came into being, but the mission is to promote and preserve traditional bow hunting. And that membership helps, you know, those dollars help continue to do that. Um, we've got a fantastic youth program that we grant bows to different youth groups, whether it's boys and girls clubs, YMCAs, church groups, uh, and these are all traditional bows. Um, we've got a program that if it's a, a kid that's old enough to hunt and needs a hunting weight bow, we can get a hunting weight bow to that kid. Um, our archive system, you know, it helps support that and the publication of the archives, the book that comes out. Um, the publication of the magazine, that everything in the magazine, all the stories, all the photographs come straight from our members. And we want that. We want you to submit pictures. We want stories. We want all of that stuff because that's a way for us, again, to reach out not only to the members, but people that aren't members to show what folks can do with traditional bows. Um, but, yeah, it's just uh, – it, you know, the membership gives people an opportunity to be something bigger than themselves and give back, you know, to an organization that, like I said, our entire reason for being is to promote traditional bow hunting. I love it. That's awesome. And I believe yep. this is going to air uh, here in a couple of days. So if you already are a Compton's member up until the event, you're going to be able to sign up uh uh, friends or hunting partners for fifteen dollars. Right, right. We've got a membership drive that's been going on um, for a year. It basically started last year at the rendezvous, and it I think it ends on the fifteenth of June, which will be Friday night um, at the rendezvous. But if you're an existing member and you sign up someone else, a new member, your name will go in the hat for a drawing for a custom Black Canyon uh, three-piece takedown longbow by Mike Hayes and, and Mike is a, a member and he's a longtime supporter of Compton and uh, Mike's a Colorado guy and a lot of guys out in that part of the country just absolutely love his bows. Um, so that you'll, you'll get your name in the mix for that. Selway Quivers have stepped up um, on that same membership drive and they're going to provide a custom quiver for that bow too. So Drew and the folks over there, um, they wanted to get in on that and help, you know, promote traditional bow hunting and, and to promote Compton. So if you sign somebody up, if you're an existing member, 
sign up a new member for a discounted rate of $15, the person who signed them up will get in on the Black Canyon bow. Now, fast forward, we've had that going through social media and Instagram. Corey Ingert, who is from Nebraska, and he's a the bowyer at Heartland Custom Bows, he saw some of the activity going on through, like, your page, your your account at TradQuest and Compton's account on Instagram, he's offered up a custom Heartland Longbow for any of those new members that have signed up over the last year. So it, it turned out, you know, it's it's a really cool thing. You know, here we've got two members who are bowyers that have stepped up to the plate. They believe in Compton's mission. They believe in traditional bow hunting. They enjoy that challenge and the fun that we all have as traditional bow hunters, and they want to pass that along. So Corey has stepped up, and every person who has become a member from January 5th, or June 15th, I'm sorry, of 2017 until June 15th of this year, 2018, they'll get their name put in a hat for the Heartland Custom Bow, and it'll, it's a long bow. That's awesome. So, so it's just a, yeah, we, it is. We apologize of coming in so late, but you guys have got a week left. <laughs> so sign yourselves up and get put in for a longbow. Or if you're already a member, sign up uh, all your hunting partners and your neighbors and and uh, and get everyone signed up and get your name in the in the bucket to to win a longbow as well and a, and a matching quiver. Um, and also if you guys are in, within a, a driving range, uh, can make it the rendezvous is uh father's day weekend, which is going to be a week out. And we, uh, we, me and Bob will be there. Uh, Carson is joining us from Sherwood shafts and Andy Ponce from addictive archery come out and say hi to us, Oregon guys. And we can't wait to yeah, it's- meet everybody. Yeah, it's kind of like Oregon East. Uh, Jerry Gowans is, or Goins is going oh, to be right. our, yeah, our speaker. Yeah. yeah, Friday night, and really looking forward to that. I heard Jerry uh, on uh, actually with Nate Bailey over at Barebow Hunters a couple different times on on that podcast, and Jerry sounds like a really super interesting guy. And of course, everybody knows him, you know, from his photography work with PBM and. So really looking forward to that. But, yeah, I was just telling a guy today. Actually, I was talking to Couch earlier today and, and uh, had mentioned, I'm like, gosh, you know, there's like six or seven dudes from Oregon you know, that's making the trip. <laughs> so, yeah, I want to definitely get a picture of all you guys or, you know, standing around there. But, yeah, I don't know that we've had that many people from Oregon make that trip ever before. So, yeah, Very looking so. forward to hooking up with you guys. Cool. Well, is there so, anything but, else that you want to tell the listeners about Compton or how to get involved? Well, you can go on the website, and it's just CompTonTraditionalBowHunters.com. The rendezvous is June 14th through the 17th. Uh, the vendors will be open the 15th, 16th, and 17th. You can shoot to your heart's content for one price. Uh, it's four ranges, unlimited shooting. There's a practice course there, so you can test shoot bows. There's going to be a ton of really good bowyers there, all the, the names that most people recognize. Um, you know, there's going to be novelty shoots. We'll have an aerial shoot. Um, we'll have our skillet toss for the ladies, which, you know, they throw this frying pan, you know, for distance, kind of like a, a, a discus throw, and there'll be prizes for that. There's a Dutch oven cooking contest for the teenagers. Um, seminars, you guys are going to be there. Tradquest will be there with a podcast. Um, 
so yeah, it's it's just a cool event. It's a really good time. Uh, the weather looks like it's going to be pretty decent. You know, I just checked it today. Um, you know, you never it may be in the 90s, it might be in the 70s, but it looks like you know it's not going to be a washout or anything. So awesome. yeah, it, it's a great time. And and uh, you guys just need to keep doing what you're doing. You know, I can I can tell you, Compton's really glad that we've teamed up with with you guys at Trad Quest, and you know, you guys were out there you know, preaching traditional bow hunting, you're talking to people who are, you know, just legends, you know, in this lifestyle. And, and, uh, you've hit up on a really good formula that's relatable to a lot of folks. So, you know, we appreciate what you guys are doing for traditional bow hunting too. Yeah. We're, we're really proud to be partnered with, uh, Compton traditional. And if you guys are listening and you're able to make it over there, even if you can't drag a friend, you feel like oh, I'm by myself. I don't know anyone there. I promise, uh, I've been to, I haven't been to this event, but any trad only event, you will feel like you are family the moment you walk in. You will have friends instantly. You'll have people to shoot with and learn from. Uh, make the trip. It, it, you won't regret it. Nah, for sure. Yeah, that's, that's, that's definitely one thing that is absolutely true in the traditional bow hunting community is, you know, within the first five minutes, you know, you've struck up a conversation and you already have that shared interest or shared passion in this stuff. So yeah, if, if anybody can make the trip, it's well worth it. Awesome. Well, we appreciate your time today, Dave, and, uh, we look cool. forward to, uh, putting a face with the name. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I can't guarantee you, you know, what that face is going to look like. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be pretty run down trying to get stuff ready, but, uh, but yeah, same way, you know, really looking forward to you guys, you know, making that haul. You know, I know it's a trip and, and, and with Carson and Andy and everybody coming in tow, but, uh, yeah, it should be a good time. Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be awesome. And once again, we just like to thank, uh, Compton and, uh, making us uh, a part of their team and, uh, it's a perfect fit and we're excited about the future. Yeah, glad to have you. Awesome. Well, welcome to the Track Quest podcast. We've got Dave Couch. What's going on, Dave? No, not a whole lot. Uh, getting ready for the big uh, Michigan rendezvous uh, next week. Yeah, we are getting pumped up for that. How about you, Bob? Yeah, man, I'm. It's going to be a blast. I've never uh, never been to anything like that. Big shoot back east. When we have them out here, it seems like there's only maybe a hundred people show up or something. And this sounds like it's going to be the real deal. So we're looking forward to it. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. Uh, I know that uh, we're maxed out right now on vendors and uh, we've got guys coming from all over the country. So uh, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun and uh, uh, it's a good time for a lot of us to see, uh, see old friends and uh, meet new friends. Yeah, that's going to be excellent. I can't wait to put a face with so many of these names and, I've never been to Michigan, and it's going to be a great, uh, great weekend. We're really looking forward to it. Um, so, why don't you tell us uh, a little bit about yourself, Dave, and you know um, where you're from and how you got started uh, in uh, hunting the hard way? Well, I live in uh, in a little town called Hamilton, Ohio, uh, just uh, just north of Cincinnati. Uh, near actually i'm uh, only 30 minutes from uh, the indiana borderline and about 45 minutes from the state of kentucky's borderline so we're kind of tucked in the southwest corner of ohio um you know i've hunted uh with traditional equipment ever since i was a kid 
years ago here in this part of Ohio, we didn't have really any big game. So we mostly hunted small game, you know, rabbits and squirrels, things like that. And, uh, and actually, once uh, once I got out of college, uh, I started uh, uh, deer hunting. My brother actually got me got me into deer hunting, and we would travel to eastern Ohio and started deer hunting over there. And then uh, uh, from that point on, uh, we started going west and uh, pursuing uh, elk and mule deer. And uh, um, and then uh, as time went on, and you know, you get the family. Uh, kids raised, I started uh, traveling in it even more to uh, places like, uh, you know, parts of Canada and Alaska, the Yukon. So I've pretty much uh, hunted all throughout the West and Canada. Very cool. So um, you do the whitetail thing in the fall and then you kind of come out West for the September type season. Uh, is that accurate? Well, we uh, uh, typically, uh, and my longtime buddy Will McQueen and I, we usually uh, we head west uh, uh, first uh, first of September, and we try to uh, you know get out there uh, in one of those states and hunt a couple weeks, and then uh, we'll come back to Ohio here, and then our archery season here uh, usually opens up the last week of September, so uh, uh, we start we start getting into the whitetails uh, uh, toward the end of September and pretty much uh, uh hunt those throughout our season ends in the first of first week of february so it's a it's a very lengthy archery season here perfect so a lot of hunting you're getting in oh yeah yeah I, I, we try to hunt uh i well i try to hunt just about every day with the exception of sundays uh, uh during the, the whitetail season here yeah awesome um so is whitetail your preferred species to to um pursue well it's 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 the species that uh, i guess i spend the most time at you know we do a lot of turkey hunting here in this part of ohio and uh uh the spring if i'm not bear hunting someplace i i try to i try to turkey hunt our season only lasts about about four weeks out of the year is all we got so it's a pretty quick turkey season but uh but deer, uh, primarily, yeah, we, we love to elk hunt, mule deer hunt, you know. I, I've been fortunate over the years to uh, been able to, like I said, every year we try to, uh, I'll try to head uh, head out west. Sometimes I do a solo hunt, you know, backpack hunt. It just depends on uh, on everybody's schedule and the draws. You know, I try to, I try to put in for three or four different states, but uh, that point creep uh, keeps getting me, you know. So I zeroed again this year as far as applications so far. So we'll see what happens. So are you planning on getting something over the counter out west this year? Yes, yes. We uh, we're actually uh, looking at about a half a dozen units in Colorado. Will and I are. So I'm not sure exactly. Uh, when you get our age, you know, you've hunted uh, uh, just about every part of. Of the state of Colorado and, and Wyoming and some of these uh, states, so yeah, we'll do a we'll do an over the counter uh, uh, tag the way it looks. So. Awesome. Why don't uh, you tell us a little bit about um, some of the hunting you've done up north as far as um, Canada and Alaska? Well, you know, I years ago when I was young, I used to bear hunt Canada. Oh, I've hunted. Uh, 
Ontario and Quebec. I hunted most of those eastern provinces uh, uh, for several years and, 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 and took some black bear there. And then uh, uh, I've hunted, uh, I've hunted in, uh, uh, well, actually, I went to the Yukon in 2015. Uh, we were up there, uh, grizzly and uh, mountain caribou hunt. I did uh, take a good representative mountain caribou, but, uh, uh, but, uh, yeah, I've hunted, you know, I've hunted quite a bit, uh, uh, in, in Canada and, uh, actually, uh, hunted, uh, Alaska, uh, oh, four times. So, uh, yeah, I've, was fortunate enough. I've taken, uh, taken some, uh, uh, mountain care or, uh, barren, uh, barren ground caribou in, in Alaska and, uh, uh, taken one, uh, one moose with my bow. So, yeah, I've had, uh, I've had some success out there. I've been primarily focusing on uh, grizzlies uh, last couple times I've been out there, but uh, had some close calls. I've had grizzlies, uh, you know, less than 30 yards and uh, couldn't get shots, uh, open shots. So, you know, it, that's part of that hunt, but uh, but it's exciting. Did you take your moose in, in Alaska? I did uh, in the uh, uh, interior uh that was uh, actually in 2013. So did you do a float, or uh, did you get dropped off at a lake? Or uh, backpack. I was uh, actually uh, uh, set up to where uh, air service dropped me off, and uh, uh, that was a solo. So yeah, very cool. So, solo moose. It sounds like a lot of work. There, there's extreme amount of work. Uh, you know, the there's you know guys that's hunted them. Uh, will tell you that uh, you got to be careful of how far uh, away from your uh, your tent or your airstrip you want to pack a moose because uh, uh, you get more than a mile and uh, you got problems because you know getting getting those guys out is 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 a chore. It is a chore. Yeah, I could I could only only that's, imagine. That's got to be so tough though to see. See a big giant bull moose, because you can glass a long ways up there. It looks like for me, and be able to see one out there a couple three miles and not go after it would be would be super tough. Yeah, I usually try to glass. Uh, you know, wherever I'm at, you try to get a high vantage point, and uh, obviously, uh, if you got a good spotting scope, you know you can you can see moose uh, miles away, and uh, because actually. Uh, and that first week of September when they're, when they're rubbing and they, it's almost like neon signs out there. You see these big white, you know, uh, it's like a neon sign. I mean, yeah, uh, but big, you see them. paddles they're, out there. Yeah, they're very visible. But uh, again, uh, you're limited in terms of, uh, unless you've got a, uh, you know, three or four guys with you. And then, uh, uh, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to get a moose too far away from uh uh from my uh tent uh, because it's just it's so much work and then you've got you know you're you're going to be a few days getting one out anyway and then uh uh you've got you know the bear uh there's a you know you got to you got to be careful with bears and uh, uh it's uh, there's a lot of logistics to uh uh you know getting getting animals out of an area in bear country just have to you got to be smart about it typically what uh, what I've done over the years is uh you know uh cut a uh 
uh, cut an altar uh, sapling and put a piece of ribbon over the top of it, maybe an eight-foot sapling or 10-foot sapling, and stick that right through the ram, right through the rib, rib cage of that animal. So when you go up there, uh, if you're glassing in a distance, you know you're not going to, you know, whether a bear has hit that, hit that carcass that you've been working on. So, oh, you know, there's, <laughs> yeah, there's, there's issues with that. We, I usually try to, you know, put some kind of ribbon or something visible uh, if the carcass is in a location where you can, you know, come, you know, look yeah. at it before you get in there. Because, you know, especially with archery equipment, you don't want to walk up on a, on a grizzly and, uh, uh that would be uh that would be tough. So but yeah, there's you know, it's just you just have to be careful uh when you're you know, like I said, uh uh you're you know, you can be you can be days getting that animal completely out of there and obviously in Alaska uh you have to remove uh every portion of that edible meat uh off the bones and everything. So uh which is good and you should do that. But uh uh it, it it's time consuming. It's time consuming. So, Dave, uh, you're, you're 62 years old, is that correct? Yes. Yeah, and so it sounds like you're still going out west and, and uh, doing some backpack and bivy hunting. Um, what what have you done through the years to keep yourself um, shape and fit and, and able to do that kind of hunting at your age? Well, you know, you got to work at it. And uh, typically, uh, you know, in the wintertime uh, – there's really never, there's really not an off season for me as far as hunting goes because we're, uh, you know, we're we're predator hunting here in the winter, and I say predators mostly coyotes, but uh, uh, I try uh, uh, in the late winter and in early spring try to get into the gym and uh, in the mornings, and then obviously this time of year uh, we're backpacking early in the mornings. Uh, I try to backpack at least. Uh, at least three days a week, and uh, uh, by the time uh, uh, by the time early August rolls around, I, I've probably got somewhere uh, you know I'm up to maybe 45 to 65 pounds in that pack, and you know we'll do a 45 minute hike typically. I mean, you just can't you know when you get my age. I just had a knee replacement uh, oh uh, just over a year ago. And I thought, oh my gosh, I'll never, I'll never recover from this. But uh, uh, six, seven months later, I was in uh, Colorado uh, uh, in, uh, in in the first week of August, and then uh, uh, I was in Alaska later in September. So you know, I didn't let it slow me down. What I'm saying is, you know, I. Uh, you just gotta, you know, and you get old, you just gotta keep, uh, keep going at it. And, uh, that's what I did to rehab that knee. And uh, now I'm back 100%. So I'm really, really looking forward to hitting the mountains this year. But, uh, yeah, I, you know, I work at it. I, you know, uh, I uh, don't, uh, I don't sit idle. I usually try to, uh, uh, you know, shoot every, shoot almost every day. And then, uh, but I do backpack at least, uh, uh, this time of year, I'm backpacking at least, you know, three days a week. Very Just cool. Getting, and I tell, I tell a lot of these guys, I said, look, don't worry about uh, uh, if you don't have mountains or whatever. You can always go steps. But just getting that pack on your back so that your neck muscles and that uh, get used to 
get used to having that weight because I've been out west with guys, uh, took a couple guys. We were doing a, uh, a backpack hunt in uh, oh, about five miles uh, off of the off of the trailhead and uh we were climbing and uh you know two guys behind me half my age were were melting and uh it's because they didn't you know it was the pack they said oh we've been we've been walking and hiking and i said did you, yeah but you didn't have a pack on your back did you no so you know you're going to keep that pack on and, and this time of year if you're going to get yourself ready for the mountains and you know that usually makes a big difference in the weight, but yeah, I try. I try to get you know. I try to get myself in shape before I get out there. You'll have a miserable, you know, you have a miserable hunt if you're not ready to go. And uh, uh, it's important, uh, you know, that guys understand that in preparation, not only shooting your bow every chance you get, but uh, you know, you gotta if you physically uh, can't, uh, you know, can't climb mountains, you're gonna have a miserable hunt. And, and you know as well as I do that uh, it, it it becomes mental too. So uh, you know I I try to try to get myself focused every year before uh, where I'm heading there, packing into the mountain. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You alluded to predator hunting in the winter, and it seems like mm-hmm. uh, Dave Hewitt had mentioned that you have done some coyote hunting with with your longbow. Is that correct? Well, yeah, I do. I. Uh, uh, actually was fortunate enough to, I got one this year, uh, with a longbow. So, uh, just, you know, just mostly using distress calls. Uh, these coyotes, they get, they, they learn very quickly. I mean, you know, you, you fool them one day and the, the next day they'll, uh, they'll run from that same, uh, distress call. So, uh, it's amazing how quick, uh, uh, animals get conditioned to calls and uh and hunters so uh yeah i really really enjoy uh really enjoy i always keep a uh you know a uh, uh some type of call uh in my pocket or something even while i'm bow hunting uh, if i see a coyote out you know 100 yards or something you know i'll squeak him or uh you know give him a distress call of some sort and i've been very fortunate to have gotten some coyotes over the years like that so tell us uh, a little bit about the coyote you got this year. Um, it was in the winter time, right? So what were the conditions? I heard it was cold. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was very cold that day. It was uh, uh, it was one of those. Uh, I think the old windshield was below zero that day. But actually, it was. You know, you get to where uh, it was that it was a morning where I thought, God, I'm going to get out this morning for a little while, just take a walk and. I'll call a little bit, and uh, uh, so got out, and oh, probably only only walked two or three hundred yards uh, from where my vehicle was. And uh, first setup, I knew there was a creek bottom down there, and and, and coyotes, uh, you know, this part of the country, they really like these. Uh, these uh, drainages and these creaky bottoms where there's a lot of cover in there. And obviously uh, uh, there's a lot of rabbits in there too. So, uh, so I sat up, Oh, about 30 yards off of this uh, Creek bottom and, uh, and the grounds froze solid. Uh, you know, you could hear, you could hear a, you know, a, an acorn fall at 20 yards away. That's how, that's how quiet it was and how frozen everything was. But anyway, I, uh, I got out of this distress call and uh, started working this call just, you know, 
for about, I don't know, probably a minute and a half, and I stopped. And I thought that I heard the, the whatever it was come off the top of this ridge, and I thought, well, there's something up there. And uh, and I'm I'm focused on this creek. Well, all of a sudden I hear coming in from behind. I hear this 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 this, this running, and I and I, I thought automatically that's got to be a coyote. Sure enough, coyote blows by me at less than 12 yards and stares right down into the creek, right down in this creek bottom. If he'd have been if he'd have came on my uh, my right side, uh, he would have cut my tracks. I came in uh, uh, from the opposite side, so he blows right down in front of me and, and all in one motion, just fortunate enough to hit the right spot and uh, uh, got that coyote. Uh, and it hadn't been out, really hadn't been out in that cold weather more than 30, 45 minutes. So it's kind of a misnomer when guys say, oh, I don't know how you stand it being out there that long. And it was it was pretty quick and the and to be honest with you, I was kind of glad to get back. So, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, sometimes things work, you know. And uh, but if you're not out there every day, it's it's kind of consistency. And I'm retired, so it it allows me to uh, to hunt almost every day. Yeah, I try to I try to you know hit the woods in some in some aspect every day. Yeah, you uh, you can't you can't get them from the couch. That's for sure. Nah, that's what my dad always told me anyway. Well, why don't we? I'd like to really talk a little bit about uh, Compton's and and how you got your involvement there, um, and you know what uh, led you to that organization and and what uh, how you're active now there. Well, you know, I I got involved in Compton several years ago, and 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 actually, what led me to Compton was strictly a traditional archery. Uh, organization and uh, uh, it's it's you know it's kind of what I believe and uh, uh, once I uh, once I started really getting involved with Compton they were on the same page I was and the fact that uh, um, you know there's uh, there's no there's there's really no no in between lines with us we're a, we're a traditional uh, archery uh, bow hunting organization and traditional equipment is what we what we preach and what we practice. After going to several events, uh, Compton events over the years, I was asked uh, to run for the board, uh, which I did, and uh, I started off uh, serving as the uh, secretary of the archives uh, program. And uh, uh, last year, uh, when Dennis Harper became president who was before that was the archives chairman uh it opened up the chairman's position and they asked me to fill the archives chairman's position so that's what i do right now serve as the archives chairman what does that position entail well basically what we're doing is is we're uh, we're getting all the entries uh to to place in our archives we have, you know, we have all 29 North American big game species uh, listed in our archives program, and, and each species has a has a minimum score for entry. And uh, my job basically is to make sure that these entries are recorded properly, and 
And uh, we've we've had one edition. Our first edition came out in 2009. Uh, we're currently uh, looking at probably next year bringing out our second edition book of, of archives entries. So, so uh, we currently we currently have about 1,100 entries. So these entries are the measurement of big game species, uh, as you'd refer to as the 29 uh, North American yeah. species. Can you, uh, me and Bob are new to Compton and, um, we really aren't, um, educated on how that, um, works. Can you explain to us sure. that whole sure. process and, and how you guys differ from other organizations? Such as uh, Pope and Young and Boone and Crockett. Yeah, yeah. Well, basically, what uh, what we have is um, is an organization that uh, that with our entries and our scoring formula, we don't we don't have uh, deductions for symmetry. Uh, we also uh, include uh, in our scores uh, credit points for. Uh, the equipment used and the method that the animal was taken, but uh, but pretty much you get credit for the uh, full antler growth of the animal. And can you again? We don't. Please? Can you go into that a little more as far as um, you know what you just said as far as no deductions and the uh, uh, bonus points that are added to the sure. score? Yeah, the uh, the no deductions basically. Uh, uh, symmetry with most scoring systems, Pope and Young and Boone and Crockett, you know, you're going to have a symmetry deduction. In other words, if the, let's say the, the left, left main beam of a, of a white-tailed deer is measures 23 and an eighth and the right main beam measures 23 inches. So you'd have an eighth inch deduction there for symmetry on a typical animal. So when you go through all that, uh, uh, you could have, you know, you could have quite a few deductions on a typical animal, even though, you know, if, if the G2 on the right side is four inches and the G2 on the left side is, is three inches, you'd have a one inch deduction where in Compton scoring system, we have no deductions for symmetry. So you get full credit for that animal. So, now with, uh, so gross is net, net is gross, basically. Yeah. 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 And then, yep. and then once, uh, once, you know, you have your, uh, your animal score, then we look at the equipment used. Uh, did you use a recurve, a longbow, or a self-bow? Uh, if you use a recurve, we don't award points for recurves, but we award one point for a longbow and then two points, uh, for a self-bow. Uh, as far as the arrows, uh, arrow type you use, uh, if you if you use aluminum or carbon, we don't allow any credit points. But if it's a self-made wood arrow, uh, we would award you one point for that. And then the method of hunting, uh, uh, whether it's tree stand, stalking, or ground blind. Uh, if it's a tree stand, we don't award points uh, for stalking. We award a point, and for a ground blind, we would award a point. And then. The other the other category would be whether the hunt is guided or unguided. Uh, guided hunts we don't award any points, but uh, like for a white-tailed deer on a on a, on a uh, an unguided hunt we would award one point. And then each species they differ just a little bit. Like a coos deer would be uh, 
you would get five uh, points for an unguided coos deer hunt. So, so what, what we've done is we've placed the emphasis on the method and the type of the method of hunting and equipment used on the hunting, you know, instead of, you know, just the animal, we, we put more, uh, more of an, an importance in, on the, uh, on the on the method that that you've taken that animal, yeah, and the equipment mo- used. The harder the hunt, the greater the reward, basically. And you you guys have tried to figure out a way, which you know is is probably tough to do to kind of put that into the score. But it sounds like you know you're you're doing a good job with that because that's that's a well, huge difference. Yeah. You know? Well, it is, and you know, I I I have to give you know credit to the to the actual archives committee. Uh, uh, who created this system and that was, was, uh, you know, Mark Plinky, Fred Asbel, TJ Conrad, uh, Dennis Harper. Uh, these guys, uh, and George Scott were the original, uh, archives committee members and, uh, they came up, uh, with this, uh, formula that, uh, boy, it's, uh, it's worked. And, uh, and again, we don't, we don't recognize world records. Uh, in our archives or rankings in that, but, uh, but what we've tried to do is, is actually, uh, award the hunter, uh, for the equipment, the type of equipment he used and the method that he used to take that animal. Do you get any extra points for hunting out of a real teepee? I just always wondered. <laughs> no. <laughs> I was telling Clay Hayes we went on that whitetail hunt last year, and he was, I was like, "Dude, we got to do it out of teepees if we're gonna do, really do it." And he, th- I think he still, we haven't, we haven't he still thinks, he still thinks I'm an idiot. I always text him, pick or I send him pictures. I don't talk to him very often, but I, uh, every couple of weeks I'll text him a picture, an old teepee picture. How about ten, ten, ten point, ten points for a loincloth? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. we. Yeah. We haven't gone to that extreme yet, though, yeah. and I don't. Yeah, I'm I don't, joking around. I really man, don't joking. look for. Our, yeah, gosh. But I think that's great. I mean, because how how we are successful matters to our community, and for like a guy who is, you know, like me, who's like, yeah, I'm I'm comfortable shooting my longbow, and I've moved into wood arrows. And you get acknowledged for that. And then obviously stepping down, uh, or up to the self bow is a whole nother, uh, form of commitment oh, yeah. and, and it's acknowledged. So I, I think that it seems like a great system. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, it, it, it's, it's different. It's unique. Uh, it stands alone and we're in, we're in no competition with any other organizations or, uh, any type of scoring. Uh, system. So we're, we're a standalone organization and, and, and again, we're not in competition with anybody. So yeah. And it, and it promotes fair chase, um, at the, at the end of the day, you know, and, um, maybe you could speak to that a little bit. Well, yeah. Fair chase is, you know, it, it is an issue. And, uh, uh, from my perspective, uh, fair chase is the greatest threat to hunting as we know it today and uh, uh not only through uh advancements in, in technology but uh, uh you know the uh the use of of electronic devices and uh you know the that 
it makes you wonder where we're going and where does it end. So uh, uh, we we're very very strong on our fair chase affidavit. Uh, uh, I know last year uh, uh, we had uh, I had two different entries uh, that uh, I couldn't enter them because the guys used used lighted knocks and. Again, under our fair chase affidavit, uh, any electronic device that would be attached to whether it be attached to the bow or the arrow uh, is doesn't meet our fair chase affidavit. So uh, obviously, there's been a lot of discussion on on lighted knocks and in fair chase, and and I'll say this very clearly that uh, our stance against lighted knocks is based on the fact that. Uh, uh, you know, we believe that uh, it, it can diminish your woodsmanship skills, and uh, we don't want to promote any any shooting after hours or, um, you know, low-light conditions. Right, and just that loss of woodsmanship skill said is something that we talk about on the podcast a lot. Um, it's, it's easy to rely on a piece of technology and forget about the skill sets that, uh, seem to be diminished uh, across the board, uh, especially with the well, younger it, generation. Especially with blood tracking and tracking. I mean, you know, uh, we, you know, we feel strongly that, uh, uh, that, you know, you should be, uh, practicing, uh, track, tracking the blood and not, a blinking light at night. So, uh, and that's what can happen. Or, you know, uh, shooting a silhouette uh, because you have a uh, uh, a lighted knock telling you whether you hit the animal or not. So, you know, there. I mean, it's it's kind of where we we stood on this. But uh, yeah, uh, you, you know, like it, it's a tough position to be in, but. Uh, we, we get a lot of the same arguments through our traditional archers of Oregon organization because we're, you know, do, in the same boat. And it's, I mean, for, we, there, there has to be a line somewhere. And to, to say there's no electronics on your bow, that keeps it simple. There's always, you know, yeah. you ease this in or you, you let it go for this and you ease that in. And then, you know, next thing you know, you're way further down the line than you ever wanted to be. But if you don't keep it at a certain spot, you know, and start there and say, Hey, this is where we're drawing the line. Then it's just going to get fuzzed out or however Dick Robertson. Says yeah. I mean, cut, yeah, cut and dry. The, yeah. Yeah. The electronic, uh, knocks are, are, are legal and that's all good and fine, but, uh, we don't, we don't accept them because our fair chase affidavit, we don't believe they meet our fair chase affidavit. And it's very clear, uh, under our fair chase affidavit. Well, well, now the lighted knock has morphed into an, there's a knock available with the tracking device that runs on your Bluetooth phone. So, I mean, that's just, that's, <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's where the line goes. That's well, exactly what we're saying. Yeah. That's, that's, that's kind of what I, you know, was alluding to earlier when I said, where does it end? And, mm. uh, uh, so we just don't, we don't debate it. We just don't, uh, uh, yeah. we don't allow it as far as entries. Yeah, and the entry is not just um, celebrating the animal, but it's celebrating the way the animal was took uh, by the hunter, which I, I think is a really neat thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, uh, you know, we put a we put a big emphasis on stalking, and uh, you know, a guy who who stalks a 
a mule deer or an elk or a, you know a bear i mean uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of woodsmanship and skill to getting that done and uh, and obviously with the equipment we used uh, uh you know uh, the distance of the shots are typically very close and uh it, it, that's what hunting's all about you know we uh, that's why we use the equipment we use we want to get close to animals so so Absolutely. so dave how does somebody um enter a animal into your system what's the process okay well the process is this is you get your you know find a find a measure we have a measures list on our website but we also accept uh uh copies of Pope and Young or Boone and Crockett score sheets uh that we you know we can use that and then uh, or if you've got you know a, a Compton measure to measure deer get your your animal get it measured okay once you get it measured uh fill out your fair chase affidavit uh the you know and you can get our fair chase affidavit online uh get get the fair chase affidavit we do require photos to validate uh the the harvest of the animals so it's very important uh, one of the big things i have i get you know um entries that come in well there's no photos well if there's no photos uh, i'm not going to enter it it's very simple uh so we have to validate that's what uh, that's what certifies our you know our our, our books and uh uh so it does it have to Send be a, does it have to be a field photo? No, no. Okay. We uh, as long as you know, as long as we can validate that the animal was taken uh, uh, by uh, by legal by legal method, uh, that that's good enough. And we don't require. Uh, I know you know most scoring organizations want different angles on the animals if i'm measuring an animal yeah i'll 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 go ahead and do the right side left side rear and the front but but as long as we've got a a a harvest photo of the animal we will accept that but uh, get that photo get the affidavit get that and get it mailed in to me and uh uh, with a 25 dollar check and then what we do is uh once i get that information i'll get it all recorded and uh, send you back a uh uh, certificate uh, uh, frame suitable for framing, and uh, uh, it's pretty simple. Yeah, awesome. So, any if you have a Pope and Young or Boone and Crockett measure in your town, like we all do, you can go there, have them measure it, send you that form yeah. with a picture and a copy of the Compton's Fair Chase affidavit, and you're good to go. Yeah, and then I can yeah, and then I'll use one of our measuring forms to get it recorded on because all I need is that information uh, uh, off of the off the Pope and Young or Boone and Crockett is form. Is there a minimum score uh, per species to be recognized? Absolutely. Yes, each species has a uh, has a minimum score. Uh, uh, you guys are probably more interested in. In the elk, I would assume uh, what the uh, and bl- uh, bl- black-tailed deer. Black, yes, we do have one for black-tailed deer. Uh, let me see. You caught me off guard with that. Let me think here a second with the black-tail. Uh, I want to say. Eh. I think Pope and Young is like ninety or ninety-five inches. And I think ours is eighty. I'm 80. pretty sure it's 80. 
Okay. I think that Columbia, yeah, it's it's uh, the minimum score for a, a, a Colombian blacktail is 80 inches, and uh, uh, minimum score for a Sitka blacktail is 65 inches. So. Okay, cool. Yeah. Awesome. Um, maybe tell us a, a little bit more about Compton, like, you know, for the guys who haven't been to one of these rendezvous or these gatherings uh, or just haven't really got out into the community yet, what it was like for you meeting all these people and, and uh, your experience getting involved? Well, it, it actually, it, it's kind of a, a family atmosphere. Uh, when you, when you come to, let's say the Michigan rendezvous there, there's going to be a, an archery range with, uh, uh, some courses, uh, 3d courses for you to shoot. Uh, it's a pay one price when you go in, you can, you can pay for a day or for the whole weekend, but, uh, there's camping. A lot of guys come in and they camp, uh, they'll, they'll come in Wednesday or Thursday night and they'll camp for the full weekend. Uh, there's showers on that facility. Uh, we, um, uh, there's, there'll be a, a couple food vendors there where you can buy, you know, some food. We always have a, uh, a, a chili supper on Saturday night, which is free. I, this year, I think we're going to go with a spaghetti uh, dinner on Saturday night. But as far as vendors, uh, we'll have vendors from all over, all over the United States there. Uh, uh, we'll have one big vendor tent that you know, there's lots of vendors in there. There's lots of vendors outside in the main area. Uh, you can actually spend a day just uh, looking, uh, looking at you know at the products that uh, the equipment that uh, different vendors have for sale and that. And as far as the camaraderie there of people, uh, gosh, I haven't uh, I haven't met really a stranger there. Everybody <laughs> seems to be in such a great mood and. And, you know, we're all, mostly all of us are, are hunters and, and love traditional archery. And it's, uh, it's just, a, it's a great atmosphere. We'll have a few seminars, uh, uh, throughout the day. I'm not sure this year, uh, who all the, uh, the seminars are going to be. I know, uh, uh, Jerry Gowan's going to be our Friday night, uh, speaker. And then Saturday night, Nathan Anderson, uh, is going to be our keynote speaker, and he's going to talk about the uh, uh, the uh, Grand Slam that he took with a longbow uh, this past year. He got his 29th animal. So, so yeah, it's a uh, it's pretty it's pretty fun filled weekend. Yeah, well, we are looking forward to getting out there and meeting all these guys for sure. Yeah, it'll uh, it'll be a lot of fun, and uh, it, you know, like I said, it's always good to. Some of these guys, you know, we only see them once a year and, you know, and it's, it's good to, to, you know, to spend some time with them and kind of recap their, their hunting season. And, uh, I try to, I try to sneak out and do a little shooting if, if time permits. And, uh, I usually get to shoot with a few guys that, that I don't see that often. So, so yeah, it's, uh, it's a lot of fun. Awesome. Um, as far as shooting, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about the uh, equipment that you're using um, presently, um, you know, or maybe what you started with and how that's changed and yeah. maybe your your arrow setup and quiver and all that. Sure. 
Well, when uh, actually uh, uh, I first started, I sh- uh, I had a hand-me-down bow that was a was a oh, about a 54-pound Browning recurve that my brother let me <laughs> handed me down, let me use, and then uh, from there uh, uh, I started shooting, uh, shot some recurves. Uh, most of those were you know in the upper 60, 70-pound range, and uh, uh, Probably in the 50s, I dropped down when I got when I turned 50. I dropped down to shooting uh, bows in the 60-pound range, and uh, and I currently shoot. Uh, I've got about three bows I shoot, and they range anywhere from 57 to to 62 pounds. Uh, I've pretty much quit shooting all the heavy bows because of old age and the, the shoulders don't seem to hold up as well anymore. But uh, I shoot a uh, I shoot cedar. Uh, 560 grain uh, arrow. Uh, uh, my broadhead is a is a single bevel 160 grain uh, grizzly, and that seems to uh, that seems to fly pretty good for me. Uh, you know, it's uh, uh, that 560 grains uh, seems to be the sweet spot for the for the bows that I'm currently shooting. Uh, what about, I know Bob likes to ask this usually, but are you a big feather guy? You put a, a, a lot of feather on the end of that shaft or? I do. I do. I got five <laughs> inches of, of yeah. feather on every one of them. So, but yeah, I take a lot of, uh, uh, you know, a lot of pride in, in building my own arrows and that. And, uh, uh, it's fun. Uh, but, uh, uh, yeah, whether you shoot, uh, you know, fir or cedar, uh, you know, I just love wood, uh, but I do, uh, I do like, uh, I do like big feathers. You know, it seems to correct any, uh, any, uh, errors that you have in your, in your, in your flight. So yeah, uh, I'm a big yeah, proponent. I'm, of- I'm, I'm noticing a lot of the, uh, some of the newer guys and even me when I was getting into it and, and reading about these FOC studies and stuff and guys are going to these minimal fletch. I mean, there's guys running two fletch now, two inches of two fletch. And I mean, I'm sure you can get that to fly, but like you said, the forgiveness when you, yeah. when you're, when you're hunting, you, you really need to have an arrow that is forgiving to the, the yeah. elements and. I think, yeah, I think a, a big factor in that is, is wind, and uh, you know, the more feather you got, uh, uh, you know, the the better flight that you're going to have, especially in in wind conditions, and uh, you know, uh, it just it it amazes me that. Uh, uh, but I mean, I, let me say this: and there's guys that you know when they're tuning their their arrow shafts and that you know you've heard guys shooting bare shaft arrows and. There's guys that are very good at that, so their bow is 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 tilled properly and everything, and uh, and that works for them. But uh, but but the elements sometimes can make a difference uh, with, oh, the, yeah. with with flight, wind, rain, yeah. brush, just plucking the string. Yeah. 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 yeah, I've done it all over the years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, well, uh, here on the on the podcast, we really like to. Uh, as you know, being a listener, we love some hunting stories. So um, we'd love to conclude this with, you know, maybe one of your favorite hunting stories, uh, something like that, if you'd be willing to share with us. Sure. Yeah. Um, gosh, uh, you know, when you're 
when you're my age, you could probably tell a, a, a thousand of them. But, uh, oh, I think, uh, I think one of my, uh, one of my favorite, uh, uh, stories would be, um, probably, uh, oh, maybe a whitetail deer hunt, uh, where, uh, 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 several years ago, I, uh, I was hunting in uh, uh down along the Ohio River and uh um it was actually uh kind of crazy and it's kind of weird but it was in uh it was in December and uh I had been playing Santa Claus uh for the elementary school that day and uh it was December it was uh, I think it was December the 23rd and uh as i was going home uh there was a cut cornfield that the farmer had left uh oh, on each side looked like about 20 feet of standing corn because there was a drainage ditch and i'm assuming that when he went to combine it it was wet in the middle so as i'm going home with this santa claus suit on i happen to look over in this field and i see these deer uh, half a dozen does running around with a uh, uh, pretty nice buck in there chasing them and i thought you got to be kidding me so i uh quickly got home got my clothes off changed clothes in this particular farmer's field uh i i knew him and i had permission to hunt it so and there was a lot of wind that day and uh i remember going back getting this Santa Claus, Santa Claus costume off, going back, get my truck. I go back and I, I play the wind. I got the wind in my face. So I'm crawling in. I had to go through some of this open, open area where this cut corn. I remember crawling down through there and uh, I finally, it was just on my belly for, you know, maybe a hundred yards out of the wood line. And the, so I get into where, this corn is starting to stand and I look and I see legs they're deer legs and I thought oh I'm getting close and I thought please wind stay stay in my face and I don't know if you've ever been in standing corn when the wind's blowing but it's so noisy you don't really hear anything and so I I go in a row I look left look right don't see anything I go in about eight or nine rows of this corn and then I see see a deer run past me less than less than ten yards. Well, so I I'm I'm on one knee and I'm in this standing corn and I see the buck come through. He comes through, I see his head down on the ground. I'm watching his legs, watching his legs. He comes back through and in between rows I let an arrow fly at about twelve yards and punched him right behind the shoulder and it's kind of one of the craziest deer hunts I've ever been in my life but uh, I actually I the, the irony behind this is I entered that deer into uh, our archives program just about a month or so ago and I did it I mean it's a buck that been you know the buck had been in my house for for many many years and uh, I think it was 2001 when I shot that so 
But anyway, I just entered it, and it's, it's one of those things. I look like a young kid in the photo, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, it, you know, I mean that that was uh, that that was my Santa Claus buck. So I, yeah. I would have we would have given you ten plus points if you would have kept the Santa Claus outfit on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're not yeah, white. Was, white tails aren't afraid of Santa Claus. Shoot, you could have walked right up on it. <laughs> you wouldn't yeah, have to crawl around. Uh, <laughs> That was, I guess, it's been maybe 17 years or so ago. But I remember I was playing Santa Claus that day for the uh, for the elementary school before they broke, and uh, you That's know, that was my that was my pub, that was my public service. So yeah, <laughs> uh, but awesome. I, I was uh, I was the good Lord rewarded me that yeah. day with a buck. Good karma. Good karma. Good karma. Yeah. Comes around, goes around. That's right. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah, it was it was that was a good one though. That was a good yeah, one. Yeah, and then you took and then you took uh one of the reindeer out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I took one of Santa's reindeer, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Awesome. That's great. Well uh yeah, we really appreciate uh your time today. Um do you got anything in uh, concluding, Bob? No, we Well hey, James, Bob, I, I want to tell you guys that, you know, as far as Compton goes, we really appreciate uh, uh you promoting traditional uh bow hunting and uh, uh traditional equipment and uh it's awesome to our sport. Uh you guys are reaching out to a lot of people and uh, uh we truly uh, we truly appreciate uh, uh you know the the impact that you guys are making on uh, traditional hunting. Well, we appreciate that, man. We're trying. So, uh, we appreciate oh, yeah. you guys helping us out and we really appreciate it. Can't wait to meet you guys all in person. It's going to be great. Well, <laughs> all right. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll see you, I guess, uh, Friday then, huh? We're going to be, Friday? we'll be there. We're going to get there Wednesday night. Okay. Well, I'll be there Wednesday night because we got our, we're having our first measuring class. Uh, Wednesday morning at seven thirty. So we've got about a half a dozen guys that are going to be uh, become uh, measurers for Compton. So that's a class that Dennis Harper and I are going to administer. Heck cool. yeah, awesome. Yeah, yeah. We'll arrive Wednesday evening and we'll be there through Sunday afternoon. All right, guys. We'll look forward to meeting you then. All right, All right. thank you, Dave. Thanks, Dave. All right, see you later. Uh-huh. Bye bye. Once again, we'd like to thank the listeners. The new website should be up soon. Check us out at tradquest.com. Send us an email at tradquestpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Instagram. We're going to be out in Bering Springs, Michigan for the Compton Rendezvous. We hope to see you guys out there. Don't forget to support the guys that support us, Kafaro International. Andy Ponce at Addictive Archery. Tell a friend about the podcast. Subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Google Play. Leave us a review. It helps the podcast. Keep the wind in your face. Pick a spot and shoot straight. Thank you.